be advised, this episode will almost definitely contain discussion of sexual themes. It will definitely contain foul language. We guarantee that we will be discussing views present within the book that in no way reflect our personal views, likely including, but not limited to, indigenous culture, being sexually active, being not white, eating disorders, and probably things I don't even want to consider being in a young adult book published only one year before The Hunger Games. Please exercise your discretion as a listener. Emmy, we have a problem. Is it the fact that the GOP still managed to win the House, even if by a slim margin? No, we're not. I'm not talking about a real life problem. God, shut the fuck up. Oh, is this a podcast diverse problem? Yes, it's a podcast problem. What do you mean? Okay. We're on the podcast. It's, uh, I don't know whose intro it is this week. Craig? (gasps) Is it Craig's intro? He's never done one before. I I think he might be a little too shy, but we can ask. Craig, do you want to do an intro? Now recording. (laughs) (laughs) Craig is the robot that we use to record our voices when we, uh... Lucy just knocked something over. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it, Lucy. Craig is the Discord bot that we use to record over Discord. He's, he's our backup audio in case anything yeah. happens as has happened before. Yes. Episode two, famously, I lost all of the audio uh, for my side. Don't know how. Um, and so I had to use our Zoom recording and I went through and methodically deleted Emmy's voice from the entire Zoom recording and had to like patch it up and try to make it sound good. Um, to this day, it is the worst audio we've ever had. <laughs> Sad episode. Uh, but it's okay. That those The first two episodes are a mess anyway i i'm amazed if people make it past those episodes somehow they they do do. somehow (laughs) yeah i need you to know that i realized something terrifying last night which is uh you told me before that your mom listens to this podcast and that means your mom has entirely too much knowledge of my sexual escapades and life in general So I don't actually, I don't know how much of the Twilight stuff she listened to. I know she listened to every episode of Warm Bodies. And I I think she's listening to this series right now. So she might know some horrifying things about you, but it's okay. You So you're okay with telling the entire internet at large, but not my mom. Oh, no, I'm okay with it. I, but I wonder <laughs> how okay with knowing she is. <laughs> But I feel like if she kept listening past the first time I mentioned it, like that's on her. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, that's on you. That's on you, Mrs. <laughs> that's it's Miss. It's she, Miss now. she went I'm, back to her maiden name in the divorce. I'm doxing my mom. Oh, <laughs> uh, we should. I'll, I'll bleep these out. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll bleep out the names. But yeah, <laughs> keep it keep it secret. Keep it safe. Yes, keep it secret, keep it safe. It's not like I have my full name on Twitter or anything like that. (laughs) It's okay. We have an incredibly common last name. Her last name is now not as common, but still pretty common. 
Yeah, but like between that and everyone also knowing where we grew up, mm. wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> also, that is so funny. We watched Rings of Power recently, mm-hmm. which I only thought of. I really like it personally. Okay, I've heard it's good. Yeah, I I heard bad things, but I don't know what those people were talking about. I liked it. But I just thought of it because I said, keep it secret, keep it safe. And uh, I thought it was fun, given what this book discusses in terms of religion. Uh-huh. Uh, something that came out of the Rings of Power was one night we're watching it and they're doing like a training section where they're showing people training with swords. And I'm just sitting there like the entire time talking about how they're using sword. Not like their stage choreography is wrong, but like the people yeah. that are being trained are clearly not using them properly. Look, I'm not trained to use swords, but I know enough to be like, that's not yeah. how you use that. You need to correct that. And I, I look at Steffi and I'm like, you know, I, uh, I'm i always like, man, I don't really have a special interest as an autistic person. But then I just sit here and rant about how they use swords in a show (laughs) and i'm like oh well maybe and then the next day steffi's like you know i don't know what you were talking about special interest thing your special interest is clearly religion (laughs) she's like you listen to podcasts and videos about it constantly you know way too much information (laughs) you i'm like i i study mythology a lot i have like an entire mythology section i'm I'm like well fuck me (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i have too many special interests that's a that's a problem yeah like you know me i i hyper fixate on things aggressively but there's a lot of them there's a lot of them it's like when you can't hyper fixate enough to actually have usable knowledge yes (laughs) I'd say the big ones are probably po- Pokemon for sure is a huge one ever since I was like four or five years old. And then also, I don't know, dinosaurs. <laughs> also, since I was four or five years old. <laughs> you and Steffi can love your dinosaurs together. We can. She uh, used to tell me about this museum that she would go to in Europe. I... For shame, I do not remember which museum it was, but she sent me photos of uh, these these like tire these like T Rex bones in a in a museum, and it's oh, it's we bonded <laughs> over our shared love of dinosaurs, and over the fact that uh, she was sad that I was told when I was like fifteen or sixteen that I would not make a good scientist and therefore did not become a paleontologist. Oh. It's okay. It's okay. I became whatever I am now. On a funnier <laughs> note, um, I need to share with the world that Steffi, while while we were doing some Christmas decorations, I learned that uh they call pine trees or evergreen trees needle trees. Okay. Because she she was just like, she said something like, oh yeah, what are you going to do with the needle tree? And I was like, the what? <laughs> it's like, you can deduce what she's talking about very easily. But like, what 
You that's what you call them? <laughs> she then it's, cute. it's very cute. asked me to pick up the Christmas balls. Oh, like the Christmas ornaments. And I was like <laughs> the Christmas the testicles of the cheery season of Christmas? <laughs> and you leave her alone, okay? I was I literally told her I'm like I'm taking notes on this so that I can tell people because this is hilarious. I need you to know that as we were recording this intro, uh, a friend of mine came out as trans in our groups in our group chat. Congratulations. Yes, her name is Saturn. And she's and she's wonderful. Uh Damn it, I can't shorten Saturn. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to say? <laughs> Sat. Sat. Hey, Ern. No, Sat. How you doing? Please. She just she just came out five minutes ago, and you're already making life awful for her. <laughs> That's your job, though, as the already out trans woman. Is like I make I make. To... I mean, I make life awful for cis women, so I might as well make life awful for trans women. Is to I mean, equality. That's beautiful. Thank you. Before we start. Thank you for your service. Go ahead. You're welcome. You're you're neither, so I don't know why you're thanking me. (laughs) Um, But before we start, updates. Uh, One, we died. Uh, That's why we were gone. Yeah, it was pretty bad. uh, We have a Tumblr now. I'm going to be working on updating it. Um. So we will be posting there when episodes release too, and we may release some longer things there, like writings, things like that, opinions. I have one written up. I recorded it. I was going to release it as a bonus episode for this show in between the in the absence period, but I didn't like the recording. Yeah, and I haven't re-recorded it again. Uh, likely, what will happen is I'll do recording. If I do that, it'll be a recording that is the same topic as what I write up, but doesn't, I'm, it's not just me reading out what I wrote. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we will now also be on Tumblr starting from this episode because this, this is the first episode we are doing since, since I created making it. making the Tumblr, yeah. Just in case, you know, Twitter falls apart. And I mean, Tumblr is still going to be, we're still going to use it even if Twitter doesn't fall apart. But I think that was like the initial reaction was like, well, we have to make something just in case. But I also have ideas for things that I would like to put up on our Tumblr. Um such as, but not limited to, I have a video essay I've been working on about one of my favorite TV shows, um, which I know, look, it's going to sound really terrible to be like, I just didn't have it in me to record the podcast, but I was working on a video essay. But you have to understand that the video essay is about a television show that I love a lot. And so therefore, it doesn't feel like work. (laughs) But reading this book... (laughs) oh my god i had so many moments where i wanted to throw them out throw oh my god what is that do you mean hold on these are my chapter dividers that i have Uh do you mean this book oh no that's so many tabs (laughs) i started this again because i just had too many notes for this book there are 29 highlights and 16 notes. It's just so many moments that make you go, excuse me, what? It got, 
I was I read the first part. We read the first part of this book and I was like, this is bad. Yeah. And then I read the second part and I was like, this is worse. Yeah. Somehow it becomes even fucking worse the longer you go on. It's bad. It's really bad. But these people you don't have to read it, lovely listeners. We do. And you get to enjoy our screaming and anger as we do read it. We will tell you all about it. Would you like to get into it? That being said. Go for it. Tell tell us about chapter 11. So chapter 11 uh, starts up. Zoe wakes up and gets ready for her first day of school. I think she had dreams. I remember her saying she was dreaming about a cat of some kind. Um, I have dreams as well. Yeah. They don't involve this book. Um, but no, no. (laughs) so Zoe wakes up and gets ready for school and the following chain of events happens in this order. So first of all, she is quote unquote blind without her contacts. So she has to put on her quote unquote nerdy glasses to see. That's step one. Step two, she's apparently obsessed with cereal and owns an I heart cereal shirt. So now we Uh. know that she has an interest. I did note here, why do I care? <laughs> it's what's what's bad is that last time we kept being like, Zoe, what do you like? Like, what are you interested in? And then this time it's like, yeah, I have an iHeart cereal shirt. It's like, I that's not what I meant. <laughs> this is not what I Ma'am. wanted to know. Liking cereal is not a hobby. Liking cereal is not a personality trait. You just like the taste of cereal. What does it even mean to like cereal? There are so many different types of cereal. Yeah, I don't understand. If you are someone who says like, I don't like cereal, I am curious as to what that means because there are like, you know, hundreds of kinds of cereal. How Like, unless you just like really don't like the feeling of cereal. Like if it's a texture thing where you can't eat the the liquid and the, the little chunks. Okay, I get that. But to just be like, I don't like cereal. Now we're having an entire debate about cereal. <laughs> I'm like, eat a fucking bowl of frosted flakes and then eat a bowl of oops all berries cap and crunch and tell me you're eating the same thing. <laughs> Uh, Brandon and I actually, they sell snack bags of cereal and we, we get those. We get Oops All Berry, Captain Crunch, and we get Golden mm. Graham S'mores. I love some Oops All Berries. Oops All Berries is very good. I have some in my cabinet. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> step three. She puts on makeup with the quote unquote right amount of eyeliner, not like those girls who quote unquote plaster it on and wind up looking like raccoons. Emmy is flipping to a page in her book. (laughs) I lined them with a smoky black shadow that had little sparkly flecks of silver in it. Not heavily like those loser girls who think they're plastering on black eyeliner makes them look cool. Yeah, right. They look like scary raccoons. There is so much name calling in this section. Did you notice like like more yes. than the previous section? There is so much fucking name calling and it's it's like it's embarrassing. Like I understand that sometimes there are people you don't like, but it is I would be humiliated if this was the way I talked about people. It's gross. It's so gross. <clears throat> Step 4. 
She says the mark somehow brings out everything that's quote-unquote ethnic about her appearance, like her cheekbones, dark eyes, straight nose, and her olive skin tone. It made everything that was ethnic about my features stand out. The darkness of my eyes, my high Cherokee cheekbones, my proud straight nose, and even the olive color of my skin that was like my grandma's. The sapphire mark of the goddess seemed to have flipped a switch and spotlighted those features. It had freed the Cherokee girl within me and allowed her to shine. White people wrote this. White people wrote this. White people wrote this. White people wrote this. (laughs) Step five. Stevie bemoans her hair being frizzy when it's long and her being a weirdo amongst all the other vamps with their long hair. Now, I understand that, like, basically everyone... In the House of Night has long hair, like, even the men, you know, everybody's got long hair because your hair grows really fast. And she even says as much that your hair grows really fast when you're a vampire. But it's just, like, it also happens to fit into the the weird stereotype of, like, girls not being pretty because they don't have long hair. Which is so mm. unfortunate <laughs> because, like, you have, it's, it. I don't think that they were intending to do that because in general, she's talking about- No, they, they, they make it very clear when they don't like something. That is pretty much, that is a pretty good point. And later there's a character who Zoe likes, who like she has a crush on and he does not have, he's not described as having like really long hair, but they don't make a point of that being a problem for him. They only make a point of it being a problem for Stevie. So now I do think that they did it on purpose. <laughs> They're just sexist. That's it. <clears throat> okay, anyway. So Zoe gets her class schedule, which contains the following classes. Vampire Sociology 101. Fencing. Intro to Equestrian Studies, as well as other normal classes like Lit and uh, Spanish. <clears throat> Stevie's, Let's go to Lit. Stevie says fencing is hard, but sometimes you get paired with upperclassmen boys who are just plain hot. Stevie is also taking an elective music course because she wants to be a country music star, just like other vampire superstars, Garth Brooks, Kenny Chesney, Shania Twain, and Faith Hill, who is famously married to Tim McGraw, but who is not on this list of vampires. So I guess Tim McGraw just didn't get to be one. This book takes a lot of liberties with this concept. Mm Mm-hmm. Zoe's nice about it, but also says Stevie's accent makes her sound like an ad for a trailer park. <laughs> Why does she hate her so much? Zoe know. says that she would like to be a vet, which now we have an interest that I actually give a shit about. Oh, was that actually an interest? I thought it was just a, a chance to make a joke, uh, which I, I highlighted. Uh... Hee hee, vamp vets. I could call my clinic vamp vets. And the ads would read, we'll take your blood for free. <laughs> um, this book is really starting to feel like someone really, really likes world building and forgot that they had to put a story in the world building. Yeah. We're uh, like they're just saying stuff. We're a hundred pages in and we don't actually have a plot. Like we don't have Yeah. 
like any kind of rising action or like so here's the thing about that if this book was 500 pages long and we were 100 pages in and we still were kind of fuzzy on the like action and everything it wouldn't be as bad because you know you're only a fifth of the way through the book you're still setting up your concepts this book is less than 300 pages long i i don't think it's literally like 298 pages long it feels like reading <clears throat> Lord of the Rings, but if Lord of the Rings was bad and you actually didn't care about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Not good. Um, no. I was, what was I going to say in the middle of this section? Hold on. Oh, um, vampire sociology. Never mind. I'll get to it when they actually go to that class and I'll make commentary on it because I, I don't know if you guys know this about me. Um, but I minored in sociology in college. <laughs> and so I was reading this and I was like, what? Anyway, um, in the following scene, Zoe and Stevie go to the kitchen to have notes. breakfast. What? You skipped over my notes. Oh, well, go ahead. Read your notes. I don't have any notes. So mean. <laughs> First of all, Stevie... Rodeo Ray is like they put me in Taekwondo instead of horse stuff this this year. I really like Taekwondo. I'm like, we literally just discussed this like two, <laughs> two chapters ago. <laughs> also, in the single good line from this book so far of judgment. Mm-hmm. Zoe mentions that she would like to be, or being like Nicole Kidman wouldn't be bad. Not that she plans <laughs> on marrying, then divorcing a manic short guy. And I'm like, yes, we can insult Tom Cruise. You are allowed to insult yes. Tom Cruise. Uh-huh. You found a that target. That is acceptable. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. And I even, I was like, I read that and I was like, was Nicole Kidman married to Tom Cruise? Because I genuinely didn't know. I know she's now married to Keith Urban, who is very cute. Uh, so I looked it up and I was like, she was married to Tom Cruise. But it's funny that she said manic short guy. And immediately I was like, huh, is that Tom Cruise? That, it was my immediate thought as well. I literally, I, I did the exact <laughs> thing. I read that. I was like, is that Tom Cruise? Google Nicole Kidman husbands. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Nicole Kidman. Is that the last of your That's notes? That's the last of my notes. Okay, thank you. Well, you've got your tabs listed by, like, the letter and number, but I have no idea what they say or what they reference. So I was like, does she still have any? No? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So in the next scene, Stevie and Zoe go to the kitchen to have breakfast and Aphrodite tries to boss Zoe around, but Zoe sticks up for herself and Aphrodite gets mad. Mm. Is this then Zoe? Yeah. <laughs> then Zoe slut shames her. Classic. Anyway, <laughs> Stevie and Zoe hurry off to their classes with Zoe noting the location of a nearby bathroom just in case she gets, quote, raging nervous stomach diarrhea. Look, if I had a nickel for each time a chapter in this book has ended with diarrhea, I would only have two nickels, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> also, does this girl have my bowel system? 
You know, I'm starting to think she might. She has diarrhea a lot for someone who has never discussed having IBS. It's weird. It is weird. Um, If I had a nickel for every time Zoe slut shamed someone, I'd have a lot of nickels. <laughs> have too many nickels. Too many nickels. She slut shames fucking everybody. She shames everybody anyway because she's a judgmental bitch. But she slut shames people constantly especially in this in this section is shaming people a hobby like a personality trait <laughs> just being judgmental yeah basically okay okay we, we, we found it <laughs> chapter we did. 12 zoe meets up with damien in sociology where nefret is slaying in her black skirt with a slit and stiletto boots slay queen yeah. I know the style that was being imagined when this was written. And in today's, you know, standards, it would not be cute. But if I imagine it the way that I would style that, it's very cute. (laughs) I'm just modernizing it. Of course, you have to modernize it in your head or else it looks stupid. Also, I'm going to take this moment, uh, now that I brought up Nefret, to mention something that I noticed. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the casts are really stupid at naming. Yeah. Neferet. Nefarious. <laughs> Aphrodite. Stuck up slut. Yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, I'm pretty sure Neferet is bad later. I think. I don't I don't remember. I genuinely do not remember, but I mean, we had a hint of it early on in the book. Yeah. Um, there was something, there was another name too that I was like, wow. Well, I mean, we get to the the three hags yeah. later. Yeah. Oh, and we have her stepdad. Oh yeah. John Heffer. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like they name every character like a, like a joke D&D character. It is like that. <laughs> Like, Brandon had a D&D character whose name was Shusafu McFiggyflop. <laughs> and then his most, his, we called him, we called him Foo. And then his most recent character was named Corona Light. <laughs> to be fair, my most recent character was named Bucket Sashimi. And was a large fish person. <laughs> Fucking Bucket Sashimi. Uh-huh. Bucket, this is what it sound like. Oh my god. Hi, my name is Bucket. <laughs> I would just I would just sit there like getting ready for the session. I would to to prepare to do that voice, I would just sit there going, Bucket. <laughs> That's what Nefret sounds like from now on. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> Hi Zoe. <laughs> Hi Zoe. I'm Nefret. She kind of sounds like a, like a high-pitched muscle man from regular show. Oh, anyway, go ahead. So everything, apparently, this whatever room they go to first is their homeroom, and everything they use is kept in a cabinet that's assigned to them with no locks on it because no one steals or the vam- big vamps would know about it, which is weird. Yeah. We're going to come back to that concept. Mm-hmm. Uh but they'll be discussing Amazons, and Zoe mentions getting detention for bitch-slapping a guy in the mouth when he told her to suck his cock. But 
then says that she prefers to just say slapping, which kind of ruins the moment. Because at first I'm like, oh yeah, girl, fucking bitch slap somebody for sexually harass. Oh, you you don't like to use the cuss word. Okay. Mm-hmm. You fucking goddamn Puritan freak. I'm going to judge yeah. you now because you're being so judgy. I don't mind if somebody doesn't cuss, but like, I mind when somebody like this doesn't cuss. Because you yeah. know she's doing it because it makes her feel like she's better than other people. Yes, exactly. Uh, so we learned that the fist over the heart bow and the shaking by the forearm instead of shaking hands that the vampires do came from Amazonian warriors. And at this point, we get into some Amazon, Amazon stuff. And I have no idea if this is actually true for amazonian history myth lore i am not well versed on the amazon warriors um i have a book on them and i haven't read it in a long time (laughs) i'm just like given how they've treated every other topic so far i'm i'm willing to believe they're just making this shit up yeah uh but they mentioned that the amazonian society was matriarchal not man-hatery though as is vampire society, but men are protectors for vampires. So here, here's this paragraph, because it's one of the worst things I've read in this book so far. It's pretty bad. Well, people, especially humans, think that the Amazons were man-haters, said Damien. Exactly. What we know is that just because a society is matriarchal, as ours is, it does not automatically mean that it is anti-male. Even Nyx has a consort, the god Erebus, to whom she is devoted. The Amazons were unique, though, in that they were a society of vampire women. Yes, they were vampires. Of vampire women who chose to be their own warriors and protectors. As most of you already know, our society today is still matriarchal, but we respect and appreciate the Sons of Night and consider them our protectors and consorts. Why? Why, though? Like. Why are you bringing up the Amazon? Like, it's, it's, it, this book is extremely sexist. We are all on the same page, right? So why even bring the Amazons into it when it's like the Amazons are an, ex- it's like bringing up the, the, the huntresses of, of Artemis. If you're, and then also being like, but they didn't hate men. It's like, no, but, like, the whole point is that they were all women. Like, Amazons famously would only bring men around to fuck them, and then they would kick them out because they needed to make more babies. This is not a society where men were involved. It's not matriarchal. It's matri-only. Yeah. They would take their baby sons, and they would give them to nearby villages, and they would only bring the men in for the one thing they could not do by themselves. And they're like, <laughs> vampire men are our protectors in our society. I'm like, that's fucking gross. Yeah. Way it to reinforce gross. sexist stereotypes. Thank you. Yeah. Please also, stop. this isn't a sociology class. No, this isn't how sociology works. This is a history class. Sociology is societal concepts being explained and understood. But like, this is literally just a history course. If you're studying sociology... 
I mean, like, I don't want to, I don't want to make like too broad of a stroke here, but sociology was invented in like the 19th century. Well, like the concept of sociology wasn't invented in the 19th century. So like your, your general like sociology courses, you're not just going to be like, let's talk about the Amazons. Because, like, how are you even supposed to, like, study the sociological concepts from a a group that existed so, like, fleetingly that we barely even know if they were real? <laughs> I consider sociology to be less about necessarily studying historic stuff and more just studying how to study people. Yeah, well, no, group. it's literally the study of human behavior. Like, it's, it's mo, it's, so it's mostly, like, group psychology, understanding how people fit into society and stuff like that. Like, if you want to have a vampire sociology class, maybe talk about societal disparage, like, dis- Disparity. Thank you. societal disparity for vampires and how vampires fit into our society the problem with this is with that concept in and of itself is that it's been made pretty clear that vampires fit into society just fine and in fact are some of the most powerful members of society we just had several household names given to us and told that they were vampires so like I guess your vampire sociology class could basically just be like a step-by-step guide in how to be the most powerful people in society because that's apparently what they are. But this isn't a sociology course. This is a history course. I think they just used that word because it sounds better than history, <laughs> which, uh, which it's not. They're two different concepts. Also, they just stopped right when they got to the good part. Yeah. They were like, okay, let's get into this lecture on Amazonian culture. Aren't you so glad and that on Zoe's first day of school on a nondescript, during a nondescript part of the school year, they're starting a brand new unit of something that's interesting to her? Yeah, Neferet even mentioned it. She's like, how fortunate that Zoe just happened yeah. to start right now when we're starting my favorite new, my favorite section. Both of the, cl- <laughs> like, there's two classes that Zoe like describes going to there's three classes that she actually describes going to there's this one there's her lit class and her equestrian studies class Spanish is glossed over and the drama class oh no the also the drama class I was about to say the drama class is next and it's yes. fairly important <laughs> in all of them they're starting something new and in the equestrian class she says, welcome to my new class. Yep. Like we went, we had a whole rate. We were raging about this last time we were recording because we were like, what happens if you start in the middle of the year? Does everybody has to have to start over? And I guess the answer is like, they'll bring you in conveniently when a new unit is starting. So you won't feel left behind. And all the classes have their new unit start at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So they're starting the new thing on the Amazons, drama. Well, I mean, we'll get into what the other classes are starting on. But I just, I was like, this is very convenient for Zoe specifically. So next scene, 
Neferet sends the two off to drama after class, and Zoe doesn't understand how she already knew that Zoe would go to that class. And Damien is like, adult vamps know way more than they should. Which raises a lot of questions for mm-hmm. me. If they'll know when somebody steals from a locker or cabinet, they would know where Zoe's going to go for class. They know days ahead of time before she's marked. Like, what do they know and not? How does this work? Yeah. Like, so do they why don't know they know that, that Zoe spoke with Nyx? Well, okay, no, that doesn't surprise me because that's like a magical thing that Nyx took her to as a that's goddess. That's a good point, so like, yeah. But no, my question is more like a very literal one, which is if they know this stuff that they're not, not there to see that happens within the school, do they know that Aphrodite's a cunt? Yeah, because like, at do the they end, know that she tried there's to a conversation that they'll have at the end of this section. Actually, I think that might be in the extra chapter. Yeah, nope. It's not even at the end of this section. At the beginning of the next section, they'll have a conversation. Spoiler alert, where Stevie's like, she just acts different around Neferit. And it's like, but I thought they knew everything. Yeah, we're very unclear on how this knowing everything works. (laughs) So my working theory on that, and it's a very basic one, is that Neferit can talk to cats. And since there are cats everywhere, they're basically tiny surveillance cameras for Neferit. Like... It's very basic and it doesn't like it wouldn't lead to the other adult vampires knowing anything. But if Neferit keeps them in the loop, then of course they would know. It's almost like the cats are to Neferit what the birds are to the United States government. Ah, yes. Everyone knows birds are fake. Everyone knows that birds are fake. They're just surveillance cameras watching you and monitoring your every move you're already on the minority report the existence of birds in history is a psyop yeah extremely you know silent spring that was written two years ago (laughs) anyway so (laughs) sorry they go to drama and in class they listen to a monologue from shakespeare who happens to be a vampire now yeah uh Great work, Othello, performed by an upperclassman, Eric, who's the guy that almost got sexually assaulted by Aphrodite at the beginning Uh of the book. Uh, He keeps staring at Zoe, which another girl notices, and then they all begin picking out their own monologues. Something that's so Um, funny is that Neferit is, and then we find out that it's true, Neferit's like, I think they're starting on monologues this week. And it's like, that is like that just generically saying that they're going to be doing monologues is the work of someone who has never been in a drama class in their entire life. Oh boy. Okay. I don't know how I to have... tell you in drama class, you do a lot of monologues. <laughs> I have notes. Uh, go on ahead. This section. I have notes. Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, just some like little, some little lines uh, reg- regarding the Amazon. I had no idea they really cut off their right breasts to keep them out of the way. They wouldn't have had to do it if they'd been as flat as me, said Stevie Ray, looking down at her own chest. (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, Damien also in that part says, or me. Yeah. Which is funny because he's a man and therefore does not have boobs. Sassy gay man. Good job. Yes. Um... 
they mention that Eric, when he comes in, that he's already creating a buzz in Hollywood and on Broadway for his performance at the school's uh, last, for his performance as Tony in the school's last production of West Side Story. And I'm like, that's not how like high school theater works. I know this is vampire high school, but like- We have a friend from high school. His name is, I'll just name him because he has an IMDb page. His name is Sam Straley. Sam Straley. Yeah. He's been on network television several times. He was on The Kids Are All Right. And then he's on like, Welcome to Flatch, I think is the name of the show. It's like a network sitcom. You know, it's it's on its second season right now. Um, You know, he's doing really well. It's not because of anything he did in high school. (laughs) Nope. Like, and he was great when we were in high school. Like he, he was really, really talented and stuff. And I, I, okay. I'm willing to say that he probably, some of that fed into him getting into a good school, but like, he's extremely talented, you know, like, and him getting onto these network TV shows, it's not because of his performance in, uh, <laughs> who's afraid of Virginia Wolf in high school okay oh, no offense sam he's not listening don't talk about that show. <laughs> oh yeah that's that's when we did the first ever gay uh performance of uh romeo and romeo juliet, and juliet. <laughs> we didn't know it was gay but it was we made it retroactively gay um <sighs> so what eric comes in one of the things he says is monologues seem intimidating but the key is to get your lines down and then to imagine that you're actually acting with a full cast of characters. Trick yourself into thinking you're not up here all alone like this. And Sarah's gone again. It's fine. It's fine. We had to move everything so all the cords are all fucked up. But if I stay extremely still, then it should be fine. So uh, this line... Uh Uh-huh. Is on par with <laughs> my my ex. My ex uh, oh, went no. to a school called Marymount Manhattan College in New York City. Uh, during one of her classes, one of the prominent professors in theater at that school uh, said a line to the student mm-hmm. to a student uh, that I think is as valuable as this line eric just spoke uh and that is do it again but this time do it better i was gonna say was it do it again but better (laughs) this is not this is not helpful information as somebody who had lots of training in acting (laughs) this is not how you do a it's so obvious that the casts have never like actually done theater at all and it's not hard to find information about high school theater because high school theater kids never shut the fuck up no we just keep talking about it we never stop talking about it i literally i went to a wedding over the summer with with my my i officiated my best friend's wedding okay and the person doing who did this who brought like all these sound equipment for the reception was a guy that we went to high school with and was in theater with us brandon also did theater with us so did my so did my best friend her name is andrea and my other best friend josh hmm was it no 
would never speak to me. Was it <laughs> it was oh, okay. Um, so yeah, no, neither of those people would speak to me, please. <laughs> they tried to tell Brandon not to date me. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, anyway, so, uh, we went and we were sitting at this table and it was him and it was me and Brandon and Josh and then a couple of other people who we also went to high school with, but who did not do theater. And it was just, we were talking about nothing but theater. And it's been like eight years since we graduated and we were like, you know what we should talk about? High school theater. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> it never ends. Truly. Now, here, here's where we get into the, the fun part of this. Mm-hmm. So Zoe's like, he takes on an, an accent that I can't recognize. Like, okay, first of all, when you're performing a monologue, you do not perform a monologue in an accent unless specifically asked to use an accent. You would perform it in your normal speaking voice. Yes. Number one. Number two... If he was going to put on an accent, the only accent I could imagine him putting on because it's regularly used for Shakespeare is RP, which is a specific. It's essentially like the Midwest accent used on television networks in the U.S. where you're trained to speak a very specific way. That's what RP is. Which you would immediately recognize as British. Yeah. And if it's not that, the only thing I could think it is, is the original dialect speaking it, spoken in Elizabethan era yes. times, which is essentially a mix of a regular American dialect, what we think of as a Midwestern dialect, Appalachian, and Irish. Yes. <laughs> I have no idea. It's what's well, like she's wanting to paint the picture of this like beautiful scene that he's doing, which I want. I I'm going to put it out there and say that doing a monologue is probably the least scary part of being in a drama class because it's only you. So you're only being judged based on whether or not you're doing your best. If you're having to act off of someone else, I feel like that's a lot scarier because well, you're going to be judged based on that other person's performance now. And if you're in a scene of people, that's even worse. I'll never forget my sophomore year of college. I had to be in a class where we did scenes together and I knew all my fucking lines and the other girls in the group did not know all their lines. And it was a short scene, maybe two minutes long. And I was saying all of the lines. I was saying my lines. And then I was looking at the person who needed to say their next line and being like, and then you say <laughs> so the bad. only the only part of this that Eric had correct is you have to get your lines down. Yeah, of course. How do you I mean that's duh. You have to so, get your lines down. My favorite part is him just saying you just pretend there's other characters, people that are playing characters, and I'm like, you mean you act? Yeah. <laughs> that's act acting is pretending. <laughs> acting is pretending. <laughs> Thank you for that helpful acting advice, which is Try acting. Have you tried acting? I'll never forget sitting in the light booth next to, I don't remember what that kid's name was, David? We're going to have to bleep all of these full names that we're saying on here. But anyway, sitting next to some kid and, and our teacher getting over the walkie and being like, I'm on the extra headset in the room because I have nothing better to do. And he's like, hey, can you try 
um, doing that lighting cue, but like just a little bit like more good. <laughs> and we both muted our mics, looked at each other, said, what the fuck? <laughs> and he just, I was like, just do it again. Just like do it again, exactly the same way you just did it, and he did. And our teacher gets over the uh, over the uh, walkie, and he goes, "Oh, so much better." <laughs> and that is all I can think of with Eric being like, "Have you like tried like acting?" <laughs> I I need you all to understand that notes in theater are absolutely insane sometimes they are they're so bad sometimes like sometimes <laughs> it'll be you'll be sit, you'll sit down with your technical director and he'll be like okay so on this one i think we need to move this set piece three feet to the right and you're like excellent thank you writing it down right now <laughs> and then sometimes you'll sit down with the acting director and he'll be like i just need you to like feel this a little more <laughs> like, i'm sorry you need me to feel it a little more <laughs> What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> I need I need you to feel it in your feet. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh God. Oh yeah. So also technical. Section, I should say technical director notes are sometimes really dumb too. Sometimes. Sometimes, but most of the time, it's just it's like this needs notes. to go here, and you need to do that faster. <laughs> But also in this section, we learn that Zoe doesn't know how bodies work. Because when she introduces the drama professor, she says that she has an athletic body, but somehow also pear-shaped. And I'm like, you do understand that having a specific body doesn't shape doesn't mean you are necessarily athletic or yeah curvy or skinny like like you, everybody falls into a category of body shape like i have all, a pear-shaped body let's say <laughs> all pear-shaped means is that you have like you're straight on the top in terms of width and you have wide hips yeah that's it's all it means just that your hips are wider than your upper body that is what a pear-shaped body is you can be skinny and have that you can be athletic. You can be curt. Like, what are you talking about? It's okay. Um. So yeah. Also, girl who noticed Eric watching her last name was Titsworth. Yes, another Titsworth. great joke D and D character name. But uh, she Alyssa. The girl's name is Elizabeth, and she says no last name. And Zoe's like, what? Like, she treats it like she's like she's a freak of fucking nature. Because this girl is like, yeah, I, uh, I, when I came here, I couldn't really pick out a last name. But my last name used to be Titsworth. So I just decided to be Elizabeth with no last name. And Zoe is so rude. She literally, in her mind, is like, what a, like, a weirdo. Like, she didn't pick a last or whatever. And I'm like, it's. Who cares? Yeah, she's she so says, judgmental for no reason. There were really some odd kids here. Yes. What the fuck does her last? What did? What does being born with the last name Titsworth have to do with making somebody odd? Like that's not Emmy. You see, Je Zoe's uh, defining character trait is being a judgmental bitch. So she is the fucking worst. She is Zoe. the worst. 
Honestly, Zoe is the worst. At least Aphrodite has, like, motivation. <laughs> Zoe's just annoying. I fucking hate Zoe. Chapter 13? Chapter 13. So Zoe makes it to her lit class by herself. all Like, all by herself. She's so excited. And is about to gush about Eric Knight being the cutiest when class starts. Uh, she notices the professors all have the same symbol embroidered on their sweaters and acts like it's suspicious for some reason. Like, they wow, all have I the wonder same why. little <laughs> symbol of the goddess, like, holding the moon on their Wait. sweaters. And she's like, hmm. Guys, guys, have you noticed... That all of us who just started have the same symbol on our shirts, too? Have you figured that out? What? It's a conspiracy. Hey, have you guys noticed that all of us who work here in this Barnes & Noble have a name tag that says Barnes & Noble on it with our names? Guys, guys, have you noticed that all of the FBI employees have shirts that say FBI? <laughs> <laughs> um... So her lit professor brings up the Titanic by mentioning the year only because she's like, oh, I was born in 1902. You know, I on the morning on like in 1912, I was a kid and I remember the tragedy. Can anyone tell me what I'm referring to? And Zoe knows what she's referring to, but not because she's a history nerd or anything, just because she really loved Titanic and Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm like, this would have been wonderful opportunities to give her character traits, discuss the Amazonians, discuss the Titanic. Yeah. And like, she just loves history. Yeah, honestly. But anyway, so no one else in the class seems to know anything about it. So she mentions it by the exact date and time that the ship sank. She also says the iceberg struck the ship. Yeah. Like the iceberg the was hunting it down. <laughs> <laughs> Like a fucking shark just fin poking up out of the water like, yo, yo, that looks like it's got some nice yummies on it. <laughs> Apparently the book they're reading is A Night to Remember, which if you're not familiar with it, is an extremely straightforward nonfiction book about the Titanic, which is an absolutely vexing choice for a literature class. Yeah, it's something you read for, I don't know, a history class, which apparently she doesn't have. Why are they reading a nonfiction book about the sinking of the Titanic? It's not even like, it's literally a straightforward nonfiction retelling of what happened to the Titanic. It's not flowery. It's not exciting. It's just... We're not talking about all quiet on the Western front. Yeah, here. okay. It's like, <laughs> I literally was like, why are they reading a night to remember? It's like in a going, literature class. It's like Crying. going to a film class and they're like, you know what we're gonna start this film class out with? We're gonna watch a historical documentary. There is no acting. There is no performance. It's literally just historians talking about this past Welcome event. We're not to gonna film. have reenactments. Welcome to introduction to film. <laughs> studies today we're watching march of the penguins <laughs> oh my God. Like, i would be so excited to watch march of the penguins i wouldn't care but i would also be sitting there like why the fuck are we starting film class with march, march of the penguins <laughs> and now here's the thing that's not to say you can't get a lot out of like studying a documentary for a film class but like why 
<laughs> like, why would that, why would you go into it being like, <laughs> we're going to make sure you understand what filming a movie is. So we're going to show you the most, like, straightforward <laughs> camera pointed at a man as he talks film. <laughs> But it has to be something like March of the Penguins, right? Like, it can't be, like, it can't be, like, the jinx. Because the jinx is too cinematic. It's got too much going on. That's not boring enough. Do, do that Neil deGrasse Tyson show <laughs> about the, no, about the no. universe. What was that one, that one nature documentary that, I'm still on Penguins, that Benjamin Cumberbatch could not. Oh my God. No, Benedict Cumberbatch. I got his name wrong. Benedict Cumberbatch could not pronounce the word penguins. He called them penguins. 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 Years later, he did an interview where they played some of that for him. And he was like, penguins. Penguins. <laughs> Like, he's sitting there in the interview, just staring off into the middle distance, like, penguins. <laughs> I need to tell you, I so I love, I love penguins. I have a little snow globe with penguins. Yeah, penguins over are here great. Next to me. Steffi and I have watched that clip multiple times, and I now can't <laughs> help but call penguins pegwings. Pegwings. Penguins. Penguins. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, Zoe notices a chubby kid sitting, and they, she says, she uses the word chubby quite a lot to describe anyone over 104 pounds in this book. Unless they're a man. Let me, let me take the reins for a second. Go ahead. I highlighted a lot of sections about this kid. Not all the kids were paying attention. This one had his head down on his arms, and he was sound asleep, which I knew because his chubby, way too white and freckled face was turned in my direction. His mouth was open, and I think he might have been drooling a little. A little later. The teacher talking to this kid after class. But what's more important, you're failing life. Vampire males are strong, honorable, and unique. They have been our warriors and protectors for countless generations. How do you expect to make the change into being who is, to a being who is more a warrior than man if you do not practice the discipline it takes to even stay awake in class? Uh, he then calls Damien the F-slur. Yes. So that we don't feel bad for everybody fat-shaming him. Uh... She also talks about him having bright orange nappy hair. Yes. Just so we can make you people with you folks with curly hair a little bit more insecure about your life. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, <laughs> at the so she sees this chubby kid fast asleep. And at the end of their class, professor, the professor, their professor, uh, Prof P, because her name is hard to pronounce, and is also the same name as the Amazon that we learned about previously in the chapter. Calls They're him really the sinking these classes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to scold him for failing. And he frankly doesn't seem to give a shit. As he's leaving, he calls Damien the F-slur again, so that we don't need to feel bad about everybody fat shaming him and hating him. And Zoe says he has poopy for brains. No, literally, that's what she says. And then she continues to say the word poopy like four other times in this section alone. She also says boobies, unironically, and poo. 
Okay, poo is not as bad as poopy. Poopy this... with an IE. Poopy. She says poopy. And then Damien is like, ha ha ha. We can always count on Zoe with her vulgar language. And Zoe's like, poopy isn't vulgar. <laughs> Stevie's like, yeah, that's the fucking point. Note, when she says he has poopy for brains, she says, I said, staring down his the hall at the slug's back. Oh yeah, she calls him hair, a slug a lot. His hair was certainly unattractive. She calls him a slug a lot. There's a lot of fat shaming going on in this section. And I, as a fat person, don't appreciate it. And I, I don't like being fat, but I don't like Zoe e- even more. <laughs> I don't like this. No. I don't like any of this. Also, um, I'm sure you noticed during my reading of this, the real f- fucking crazy toxic masculinity shit yes the teacher was spewing at him basically like it's like she didn't like specifically say like you're fat and therefore will never be a proper vampire warrior man but she but when she was like yeah how are you you know you're supposed to be a warrior a protector and you can't even stay awake during class like (laughs) what is he protecting them from why is he a warrior like are they going to Mars to do battle? Is that happening later? <laughs> like, what the... F- well, that's like, the I thing, under- is, like, the problem <laughs> with this setup and them, like, there's no, like, grand conflict going on. So, like, to frame the vampire men as being, like, warrior protectors is very odd, given that, from what we know, vampires basically just live in modern society with no other, like, restrict restrict restrictions yeah it's like there's a there's a group of religious people that don't like them like similar it's very similar to the way it is to be you know a queer part of the queer community Mm -hmm. now but like we don't designate members of the queer community as warriors to follow us around and protect us yeah it's weird also she like screams at this kid because she yeah. tells him because he's not answering her about like she offers to let him do an assignment to make up the zero for participation in class and he's not answering and she's like that question calls for an answer Elliot now the air around her crackled with the command making the skin on my arms tink like bro can we not verbally abuse people in yeah. class please this is not a I, this is being portrayed in a way that like oh this kid's stupid and everything is his fault but like this is not an acceptable reaction yeah not when (laughs) you're an adult and he's a teenager who's just undergone the most traumatizing thing a teenager could possibly go through literally yeah anyway also, every single one of these teacher introductions is literally my first character introduction. Yeah, she... <laughs> it, it is. This is what their hair looks like, and this is what their eyes look like, and this is what their tattoo is, or their markings, and this is what they're wearing. Yeah. It's just like somebody went through a checklist of things, and they're like, we have to make sure we have these traits for every character we introduce. Yes. Atrocious. I'm I'm unclear on the aging conventions of vampires. 
I also, because she, this teacher is, the is, looks 30, mm-hmm. but is 100. But if they get changed when they're like, well, so they don't like finish the change until after their fourth year of school. So like in theory, if you're like uh, 16 when you start, you're like 20 when you finish the change, but that doesn't freeze you at age 20. This is not like Twilight where it's like once you become a vampire, you stay that age forever. It's like they age, but extremely slowly. Like there's one point later where Eric is like, we outlive humans by decades or even centuries. And it's like, but what does that mean? Do you mean because you violently die? Or do you mean like, because sometimes your natural lifespan is only decades longer than humans instead of centuries. Which doesn't make the aging process that this woman has gone through make any sense. Yes. Because why does she look 30 if she was changed when she was roughly 20? Are they just aging slowly? I don't understand. I don't know if they'll explain it at any point either. But like, and I get it because this is basically like Harry Potter, but vampires Like, the professors are also vampires, but they do have to be, like, older than the students. Well, I mean, they don't want them to be that much older. Of all the pointless shit... Oh, I know what you're... (laughs) Of all the pointless shit that has been explained or told to us in this book, just bothering to mention... How this process works would have been great. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For sure. So chapter 14. Mm -hmm. Zoe has fencing class next and is surprised by the professor, Dragon, who she expected to be a movie star vamp stereotype. Tall, dangerous, and handsome like Vin fucking Diesel. (laughs) What? I literally cannot imagine looking at Vin Diesel and being like, ah, the vampire stereotype. He literally looks like somebody sat on his face. What? I mean, face sitting is fun. You should try it. I mean, I enjoy face sitting. (laughs) I love Vin Diesel. You be nice to Dominic Toretto or I will come over there. And be rude to you. Brandon and I bought a Jackbox game the other day because the mystery question that we selected was putting in order the Fast and Furious movie titles. Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's great. But anyway, what's so funny about her being like, I was expecting the Hollywood stereotype is that earlier in this section, she was shitting on Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, who was famously in Interview with a Vampire, the most famous vampire series up to the point of this book being published because Twilight wasn't as, like, virally popular yet, because this was, like, 2006 or something. Like, how? How do you not, like, how do you not get it? Oh, she could have said Brad Pitt. He was also in Interview with a Vampire. I'm just like, Vin Diesel is, face is antithetical to the, like, he's got a round, he's got a round face, he's got, like, kind of a squished nose, and the whole- You're describing my dog. 
the whole tall, dark, <laughs> handsome vampire thing is like thin, hard, chiseled yeah. face. It's like cheekbones and and a mysterious brooding long hair. I'm like, I do Vin not Diesel understand. Vin Diesel has no hair. Vin Diesel has a flat, round face. Like, it's like <laughs> antithetical to this concept. It's a mom. It's a mom who wrote that sentence. Who's like, you know, who's handsome? Vin Diesel. Makes no fucking sense. Have you seen him in The Fast and the Furious? No? How about Pitch Black? Have you seen that one? That's a good one. I don't know why. I don't know why she's watching Pitch Black. Anyways, Dragon explains to Zoe yes. that foils, the sword that he gives her, are light and fence and, oh, sorry, they're light weapons and that the sport of fencing allows women to compete with men because they won't lose just for being all small and slow and weak because they can outthink the men. Isn't that nice? Isn't that, isn't that nice? It's so nice. Damien is great at it, though. Yeah, so he's good for in him. charge. So he's in charge of training Zoe, and uh, as he says, the training will help her lift her cute little butt. Now, to be fair, there's a lot of lunging <laughs> in fencing, so yes. it probably will make your butt look good. Still, a weird thing to say. It is a very weird thing to say, but he's gay, Emmy, so it's fine. <coughs> Known her for two days. Gay man. Two days. Yeah. I don't think Can't Josh do would that. say say that shit to me after knowing me for fourteen years. Jesus Christ. Fourteen years? I've known Brandon and Josh for fourteen years. I've known you about that <coughs> long too. Huh. Welcome to life. God. <laughs> Years like, passed by. We're Well, now we're at the point where, well, I mean, I guess last year it would have passed that threshold where y'all have been in my life longer than you weren't. Terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> just want to excise me real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Next is lunch. And it's a bunch of fucking salads. Just salads. Different types of salads. And Zoe goes on a rant about tiny corn-like pieces and salads, prompting me to ask the question, was this book written in a fugue-like state of stream of consciousness? Like, the you shit know, they let it... <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? I sent Steffi a Snapchat earlier. I don't think she ever opened it. I asked her to send to show it to you because I was reading that chapter. She has not opened it. Um... But I was reading that chapter. The first paragraph of chapter 14 has four run-on sentences and no period at the end of it. To tell you, like, there there are multiple points in this section where there's no end quote at the end of a sentence that someone has spoken. Like, I... I, I, uh, How? It literally reads like somebody just typed up like, just regurgitated every bit of word that came into their brain and then just said, <sighs> submit. Yeah. Absolutely it's so insane. It's so strange. I don't understand. But I mean, I do. I don't. But I do. But you know? Uh, so the group discusses Eric making eyes at Zoe 
and how he was smart for dumping gross Aphrodite and blah, blah, blah. And like, she makes, she, like, she says like, oh, he was just, he was looking at me. And it reads as very, very teen drama because like in real life, just because someone is looking at you doesn't mean that they're actually looking at you. In fact, they may not even see you. Correct. They may be staring into the middle distance. And granted, he was performing a monologue, so he probably wasn't. What she should have said in this sen- in this explanation that she's giving is that Elizabeth, the other girl, was making comments about the fact that he was staring at her. Like, it's not like I just noticed him looking at me. This other girl also made comments about him staring at me, which leads me to believe he was staring at me. But she doesn't say that. She literally is just like, he was looking at me. Guys, am I, am I quirky enough? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, then she goes to horse time where the professor just tells people to get to work. She rides in on a horse, hops off, says the boots and the gloves are in that room. Get to work and doesn't tell anyone what they're doing until somebody's like... What are we supposed to do? Like, you can't just ride into a room of people and just be yeah. like, hey guys, and start working. Like, you're all new. Like she says, my new third formers. And it's like, and also she says that, oh, somebody thinks that you would be good with a horse. And you know who else is in this fucking class? Elliot, the slug. Why is he in this class? I don't understand. <laughs> But also, she clarifies that they're going to be mucking the horse stalls and then tells them they have like an hour and then leaves. And I'm like, do you think everyone has mucked a horse stall? (laughs) Do you think you don't need to explain this process to them? Like, maybe show some people what they're doing, how to... What the fuck are you... What? Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, Zoe likes horses and barns um, and doesn't mind mucking. She also says that the place smells nice like horses and hay. And then she's like, even though part of that smell is horse poop. And I'm like, I mean, okay. so what I'll say is I, I like when you kind of grow up in that sort of environment where you smell manure a lot, it really doesn't smell that bad. I don't mind the smell of horse poop. Like I've, I, I will go through stables and I'll be like, yep, that's horse poop. Well, but it's the, she calls it pleasant. And I'm yeah. like, it's not a matter of, like, I can ignore the smell of horse poop, but pleasant. Yeah. The, what's so funny about this is Zoe's like, yeah, my grandmother had a horse that she named Mare and I took care of him and rode him and stuff like that. And it's like, so earlier When you got your school schedule and you noticed you had an equestrian class, this is a note to the author. Earlier in the chat in the book, when Zoe gets her school schedule and notices that she has an equestrian class, that's a great time to mention that she grew up with a horse. Yep. You know when is not a great time to mention that she grew up with a horse? After getting to the equestrian studies class and having her spontaneously just be like, Oh, don't worry. I'm great at this, too. Because she's great at everything else. She's been fantastic at everything. Aphrodite even makes a fucking comment about it. I was about to say, Aphrodite it. says that. <laughs> like, she's good at everything without trying. 
And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, uh, by the way, I have a horse. It's like, it's, it feels very ready player one because every challenge that the, the characters come upon in ready player one, the book, the movie is structured a little bit better, but in the book, it's always just like, oh, I have to play this game from start to finish. But luckily I perfected my score at that game last summer. And it's like, Okay, but we didn't know that until right now. It's such bad storytelling. <sighs> Be better. Be fucking better. Cass. So, yeah. Then the professor comes back. She's like, you did a really good job, Zoe. Um, the horse likes you. So uh, you've earned the privilege to comb her. And... Yes, then she combs the horse and tells him about how they could single-handedly wipe out slugs and losers from society if her generation just... Oh, yeah, Zoe's a eugenicist, apparently. procreate with losers, and I'm like, well, by that logic, you shouldn't exist, and you're a loser because your dad's a deadbeat that left and ran off. Yes. So that would make him a loser, and means that you are inherently a loser. Like, this does not... This does not track. Also, also, she says about Elliot in this section, why couldn't he use some product or perhaps a comb on that nappy hair? Jesus Christ! (laughs) It's so bad. Oh my God. This, This section is just fucking awful. Anyway, so she goes to, uh, or she gets sidetracked and stevie ray comes in and is like hey did you forget about ritual and she's like i'm combing a horse and then they run off to the ritual mm-hmm. fun times <laughs> chapter 15 chapter 15 on the way to the full moon ritual stevie tells zoe that a girl died during her last class of the night explaining that sometimes people's bodies just give up when they don't accept accept the change And everybody's just sort of expected to go on as normal, which actually feels feasible if, if students, if this is just a natural part of vampire life, then I think that it does make sense to kind of just be like, guys, we got to keep going. Well, I mean, it's like they say the third formers, that's us, are supposed to act right and get over it. Elizabeth's roommate and best friends will probably keep to themselves for a couple days, but then they'll be expected to get it together. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I understand it's a natural, but like, mm-hmm. somebody Especially- losing their mom's a natural process. Do you just go, all right, get the fuck over it, buddy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do think it's it's especially cruel with the third formers because they all like Elizabeth even says that she's only been at the House of Night for a few weeks. So like, it's very, it is very sad. Like, I'm not saying that I think it's okay or happy that they're expected to just get over it. But I do understand where they're coming from, where it's just kind of like, guys, people are going to die trying to go through the change. And especially because I imagine it probably happens a lot more over the years that you're at the school. But also I'm like, they, they're they human. Mm-hmm. These people are human. Like, yes. In terms of like how they think and feel still. If somebody tells you, oh, that person you care about died, get over it. It doesn't make you stop feeling the things. It just makes you internalize them. And it's unhealthy in the long run. 
I think I just have unhealthy, unhealthy coping mechanisms is what we're finding out here. That is probably true. <laughs> <laughs> so they continue to the full moon ritual where Zoe meets Anastasia, Dragon's wife, and gets her first look at Lauren, the school's poetry teacher, who is apparently oh, extremely boy. hot. Mm-hmm. He's a poet laureate. Laureate. Can't talk. Yeah. Anyway, um, during the ritual, Neferit calls on the four elements. The five elements, actually. It's wind, fire, water, earth, and spirit. Um, she calls on them in, in a symbolic way. But for some reason, Zoe feels the effects of those elements as they're called on. She's very special. Uh, the ceremony feels invigorating for Zoe, who seems to be experiencing a sense of spirituality for the first time. Like, she's talking a lot about how, like, church never did it for her basically after the ceremony ends zoe bemoans having to go to the dark daughters ritual yeah i i highlighted a lot of sections about religion yeah in this chapter partially because i find this chapter to be self-contradictory um so when they talk about like stevie doesn't understand why the people of faith made the pentagram into an evil sign because the pentagram is what they use in the ritual to represent the four elements in spirit. Uh, and Zoe says it's control. The people of faith want to control everything. And part of that control is that always everyone has to always believe exactly the same. That's why they want people to think the pentagram is bad. And it's like, well, that's actually, ve- that's very insightful. Yes. That is how organized religion generally works. It is a means of control. Not necessarily by people, like, it's not like a pastor at the pulpit wants to control people, but it's mm-hmm. on a large scale, it's, it's control. Yeah. Um, and then she goes through this whole religious experience, like all the same feelings people talk about getting in church, like you said. And it's like, so you're, the things you're experiencing now in this, I'm kind of approaching this like a skeptic but not in a term of i'm skeptical that she this is real but kind of like just when comparing a religion kind of thing she's you're experiencing things that other people experience when they practice other religions meaning what is there to take from you experiencing this why are you criticizing other religions yeah where people have the same experiences and where is it? Okay, so Neferit at one point says, revel in your strength. We stand, or sorry, bask in your uniqueness, revel in your strength. We stand separate from the world because of our gifts. Never forget that because you may be sure the world never will. That is literally evangelical Christian bullshit just shaped into a new religion it's the we are god's chosen we Mm -hmm. are special we can go out and save people and everyone's going to persecute you because you're a christian it's people's temple rhetoric it's the kind of stuff that winds up with 900 people dead after drinking flavor aid like it's 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 cult rhetoric it's separating people systematically from other people in the world based on their belief system, telling them they will come for you because of what you believe in. So therefore the only people you can trust are us. It is. And I know that this is, this is a magical vampire book. 
But as we did with Twilight, as I assume we could have done with Maximum Ride if there was more to it. And as we did with Warm (laughs) Bodies, a very important part of what we're doing is like talking about real world implications. That's why we hammered so hard on the racism in the first episode and on the sexism in this episode. Like it's there are real world implications to feeding children these kinds of things. It doesn't matter if it's fiction. It, it like the, like we can separate fiction from reality, right? Like you're reading this and you're not going to be like, "Oh yeah, she's so right. Like everybody sees me as different and nobody's ever like I need to hold that in my heart and like not trust anybody because you're, you know, a your frontal lobe has fully formed." But when the target audience is like 13, 14-year-old girls, you have to think about the broader implications of what you're preaching. You're literally telling them that they need to harbor themselves from the rest of the world and try to and basically hold it hold themselves above the rest of the world because they're better than everybody else because they're different. Yeah, what happens cuz this isn't cast in a bad light at all. Mm-mm. So what happens when a young person starts getting into some like woo-woo cult bullshit and is given this same kind of concept, like somebody that wants to feel special and different and is told, yeah, you're magic. You can do this special stuff. And that's what makes you different from everybody else. They're just going to believe it because this is the kind of thing they're hoping for. Exactly. Though like young adult fiction is such an important part of our like fiction lexicon because what people read when they're teenagers and what really resonates them when they're when they're teenagers really shapes the way they look at the world my like big series when i was a teenager was and everybody can laugh along with me was warrior cats and so i really thrive in a found community i really love when people come together and bring all of their like really unique uh, personality traits and talents into a group and everybody loves each other and takes care of each other in a way that goes beyond just like blood relatives. Right. And that's basically warrior cats. <laughs> like it's based, it's like you take these groups of people. It's like you take these groups of cats, all different kinds of cats and you put them together and they create this like really beautiful homogenous society. And that is something that I really thrive in is like groups of like found families basically well, I don't know what someone whose book series when they're a teenager is House of Night, how they would relate to the rest of the world. I'm imagining they probably feel like they don't relate to the rest of the world. I'm just like reading it. It feels very like not going into full on cult territory. Yeah. It very much feels like somebody rebelling against a mainstream religion by then reinstituting the same beliefs and concepts and ideals within yeah. just a minority. And I'm like, you're not, you're just yeah, perpetuating the problem in a different group now. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're kind of overselling it. Like, I don't think any girls joined a cult as a result of reading House of Night. But it is really scary to read and just to understand the kinds of terrifying implications that could have for a young developing mind. Yeah, I'm just like, this isn't, this is weird that they think this is cool. Mm-hmm. Weird. Um, 
and not just like having re- like spiritual magic experiences just the way they yeah. talk about it is weird yes specifically the way that they command the the people in their congregation to relate to the rest of society which yeah. is do not um but also i about died laughing in this section when lauren the fucking poet laureate Begins the ceremony by just walking around reciting she walks in beauty. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Like, you're <laughs> supposed to be a famous poet. And instead of opening the ceremonies with some well-constructed poem that you've written yourself that's fitting, you come in here with fucking Lord Byron, some super well-known, like, I, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> They have to still keep it relatable to the teens. To the teenies. Look, the honestly, teens, I'm just disappointed. They're trying to uh, indoctrinate. I'm just disappointed in how much of the stuff in this book is not written for the purpose of the book. Yeah. Strange. Sometimes they do it and sometimes they don't. <laughs> So yeah, that's uh that's chapter 15. Chapter 16. What's yours? Wait. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was chapter 16. That was chapter Wait. 15. I am so lost right now. We just finished chapter 15. Oh, right. Now okay. we're doing chapter 16. <laughs> I I am sorry, guys. I We went so long on just the... Yeah. Discussing the concepts from that chapter that I forgot you were the one that read the chapter. Yes. <laughs> chapter 16. Eric lets Zoe in after Rodeo Ray leaves. And Zoe thinks... He's attractive like Clark Kent, except for the dorky glasses and slicked back hair. And I'm really confused by this because I thought Clark Kent was supposed to be attractive. He is. Okay. He is. So I'm no, not he's crazy. supposed to be hot. Like, he's he's <laughs> tall, broad, and has curly black hair and beautiful blue eyes. And he wears glasses only to conceal that he is Superman. And also, in fact, his hair is more slicked back when he's Superman than it is when he's Clark Kent. Okay, I'm, not, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I don't no, think Clark I've ever seen Clark Kent described as dorky because of his glasses and slicked back hair before. Well, uh, no, Zoe thinks anyone who wears glasses is a nerd. So it's fucking weird, yeah. Okay, so Aphrodite comes to grab Zoe, making Eric really uncomfortable because she's all touchy on him while she's doing it. Uh, she then insults Zoe's clothes and pushes her into a stall with a dress and tells her she needs to be dressed properly for Dark Daughter's ritual. And back in the ritual room, Zoe realizes that the incense they're burning is mixed with pot. She harps on this so, so fucking much. much. There's so much pot hate in this section. So much. I literally at some point wanted to just be like, Zoe, shut up. Just I'm stop. So- I'm so cool because I don't do what the losers do. Look yeah. at me. Shut the fuck up. Um, uh, I mean, and this is like the uh, mid to late 2000s. So like, I get it. But like, it's just pot, guys. Calm down. Even when I was in school, I was like, it doesn't seem that bad. 
These people went through too many D.A.R.E. programs. They did. I won an award from a D.A.R.E. program once. Good for you, you perfect little child. Uh-huh. Never I would never even do thought drugs. about drugs. I would never. Me? Drugs? I would... That's too far away. What's a What's a droog? Sorry, my vape is too far away. I can't get to it right now. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's that's really sad. <gasps> Emmy, you whore! <laughs> um, okay, it wasn't that far away. <laughs> but you had to take off your headphones. I did, yeah. It was a long... It, like, it, the cord for the headphones is long, but it was just far enough away. Guess where weed just got legalized in this last election? Missouri. Oh, fuck you. Um. So yeah, well, Zoe's freaking out about pot. She's talking to uh, Aphrodite's two acolytes, who inform her that they and the girl running around lighting incense named themselves after the three hags from Greek myth, who they think were just slighted by misogynists wanting strong women to look bad. And I'm like, honestly, maybe don't allow your bad guys to have points this good if, like. <laughs> they're supposed to be bad because like Greek mythology does have a lot of that. Sure does. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah's dying. I'm dying. It's fine. So, uh, ritual happens. With Aphrodite slashing a knife through the air repeatedly, like some fucking Lady Macbeth losing her shit. Um, <laughs> and Zoe has an orgasm when she drinks from the chalice at this ritual. Uh, it's not a out, real orgasm, okay? We have to be specific with this book. It is explained very much like having an orgasm, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it turns out that it's got blood. From the redheaded asshole kid in it. Uh-huh. From Elliot. Uh, so then she runs away and pukes. But, um, yeah, apparently this kid, they just slid his wrists and took his blood for this ritual. Yeah, they called him a refrigerator and a snack bar. Yep. Also, I'm Dino, said the other girl. She was obviously mixed. And had a gorgeous Ugh, combination of really pretty coffee with lots of cream skin and excellent thick curly hair, which probably had never had the nerve to nap up on her for an instant. Stop comparing people of color to food. Also, please stop talking about curly hair being nappy. That's racist. That's yeah. fucking racist. Just just stop. <clears throat> if she wasn't just talking about stop. a white kid this like entire time, I would have been like, just say you hate black people. Oh my god. What well, this one's a mixed person. Yes, but she said but she's specifically saying that her hair is not nappy. Yeah. But yeah, it's And it's the, the other kid's that... hair is nappy. But this this <clears throat> lady's hair is nice because it's not it's not, you know, like black person hair. It's, yeah. It's just thick. Jesus yeah. Christ. I fucking hate this book. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that the later books in the series aren't as bad. Chapter I don't 17. Know, makes for good content. <laughs> yeah. Zoe finds the cat she dreamed about and climbs up into a tree to help her. 
While up in the tree, she catches sight of Elizabeth No last name, the girl who was supposed to be dead. When Elizabeth catches sight of her, she shrieks and runs away, which spooks the cat. Then Zoe hears Kayla. Oh yeah, the tree Zoe climbed up was right up against the wall separating the school from the rest of the city. I didn't mention that because I didn't think it was going to be fucking relevant. But of course it is. So she hears Kayla calling out to her. And both Kayla and Heath appear with flashlights in hand. Uh, Heath climbs up and sits on the wall to talk to her and helps Kayla up too. And during this exchange, Zoe realizes that Kayla is the one Heath was fooling around with at the beginning of the book. Either that or, like, she really wanted to. It's unclear. Zoe wishes it would get cold to make Kayla uncomfortable. And it does! Mysteriously. Magic. (laughs) Then she makes fun of Heath for being stupid, I guess. She hates everyone and everything. Zoe realizes Kayla's been smoking pot, and this somehow turns into the two of them gossiping about other people who smoke pot, including a girl named Morgan, who Kayla tells, uh, who Kayla says just got her tongue and her clit pierced. You heard me correctly. Her clitoris. Her clitoris. Got her clitoris pierced. I don't even know how you get a mythical part of the body pierced. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, yeah, she got her clit pierced. And somehow that's the most vulgar thing that's been said in this book. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want to demonize the word clit. I love the word clit. But, like, this is a young adult book. Why are you talking about the fucking clit? <laughs> I mean, honestly, at least be instructional if you're exactly. going to talk about the clit. Because <laughs> I have read this book before and I don't fucking remember the line about a girl getting her clit pierced. It's probably because I didn't know what it was. I don't remember a lot of this. I, I definitely know. knew what that was. <laughs> of course. But then Zoe tells Kayla to leave when she remembers she's fooling around with her ex. Zoe makes a comment about the cold going away, and it does. Um, so after Kayla runs off, Heath try- tries to convince Zoe to leave with him, insisting his feelings for her haven't changed. He kisses her, she tells him not to, and in a daze thinking about how much she wants to drink his blood because she can hear it inside of him, she accidentally cuts his wrist with her fingernails. Heath sucks the blood off his wrist, which gets it on his mouth, and in a trance, Zoe licks it from his lips, then again from his wrist, while Heath is encouraging her, telling her to keep going because he also seems to be in a trance. Kayla apparently sees this and freaks out, which snaps Zoe out of her trance and she tells Heath to leave and not come back. Heath says he loves Zoe and doesn't fear her before he kisses her again and leaves. Zoe climbs down the tree and starts to sob hysterically before Eric Knight appears to give her a tissue. Why can't they stop using the R slur? They used it again. It's bad. They use a lot of slurs in this book. That one they didn't so much as like frown upon as so much as the F slur. Yeah. Um, also, there's a lot of pot hate in this chapter. So much pot hate because so it's like only losers smoke pot. And then, uh, fucking Kayla is like they're not as dangerous as cigarettes. And Zoe's like that's not true. And I was like that is true. That is. True. <laughs> I mean, you, it's true that there's, it's still not great for your lungs to oh, yeah. smoke anything, mm-hmm. but uh, they're definitely not, 
joints are not as bad as cigarettes. Oh, absolutely. They Hitting have, a bong. They, first of all, don't have mm. nicotine in them. So Or tar. Or tar. Ooh. Lots of things that aren't in it. Lots of chemicals. <laughs> uh, chapter 18. Yeah. Eric and Zoe talk. It's a lot of dialogue, so I'm just going to sum it up. Eric doesn't like Aphrodite, and Zoe is weird because hearing pulses, bloodlust, enjoying blood, and trancing humans doesn't happen until adulthood adulthood, or late in the process for most fledglings. Eric walks Zoe back to the dorm and tells her to keep the dress from Aphrodite. Giving a gift to a new initiate is expected, and she looks better in it than Aphrodite ever did. Then he nibbles and licks her wrist vein before leaving. And kisses it. Zoe apparently thinks that wanting to kiss men that she finds attractive makes her a slut. Because after getting down off the wall, she's talking to Heath. She's like, man, I would let him kiss me. She's like, oh my god, am I turning into a vampire slut? But she didn't kiss him. I mean, she licked blood off of his lip, but she didn't, like, kiss him. He kissed her. But also, you can ki- you know, go through a line of a hundred people and kiss them. Guess what? You're still not a slut. Mm-hmm. Actually, you're just never a slut, because we shouldn't, we, sh- we shouldn't shame people. But, like, the point if is- If you self-identify as a slut, you are a slut. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can, you can choose to be a slut. You can be proud of that if you really like it. Also, Dwight is an ignorant slut. I remember that joke from The Office. He is an ignorant slut. And that one senator did not call Bernie Sanders an ignorant slut. (laughs) So now that we're clear. (laughs) Imagine calling Mitten Sanders an ignorant slut. I know. Nobody's a slut. Now, this section raises a really problematic question for me. Uh Through this book, I have assumed thus far that there was some process of donation where humans gave blood for vampires to drink Uh to survive. This, as it turns out, is correct. What we didn't know until now is that nobody knows about it except adult vampires and late fledglings. It's a secret from the humans. It's a secret from most of the young fledglings. Why is that a secret? Like, it's no wonder there's a militant group of people who want vampires to be eradicated when they think that the only way for you to feed is to hunt down their kind and violently assault them. Like, why would you not just say that you're (laughs) you would think yeah you'd think you'd want the humans to know that the blood the vampires have to drink is ethically sourced? (laughs) Yeah, it's like we only get this shit through consent. Yeah. It's I like mean, being I scared to admit yeah. that you only have babies through consensual sex. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. It seems really silly to me. Why would the fledglings... <sighs> Sorry, my hit was too strong. Why would the fledglings not be allowed to know about the blood? I don't, I was trying to figure out the same thing and I was like, is it because they might tell humans? But like, adult vampires might tell humans too. Like, 
Unless they go through, like, advanced conditioning when they go to House of Night that slowly makes them never want to speak to humans. Like, it's severe, like, basically psychological torture, like, Clockwork Orange style to convince them not to talk to humans so that by the time they're leaving, they would never tell. There's so much weird shit in here that raises so many questions. Yeah, I will say something I liked about... Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Something I liked about this chapter um, is they did manage to make Eric very cute. Yeah, like, he did seem... Like, not just physically. I mean, like, he seems very sweet and nice. And he gives her a little kiss on her hand. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. I will also yeah. say that chapter 17 might have been my awakening, my sexual awakening for uh some of my uh things that i enjoy with oh yeah basically uh-huh. going no, into I, a trance it... and just being like use me <laughs> Do <whatever you> <laughs> okay that's not where i was going with it but yes i understand uh, okay. how that could happen but that's the end um, yeah i accidentally read chapter 19 emmy did no, not you didn't. there's no chapter 19 there you're right i don't see it yeah don't look at it spoilers um, yeah, that is that is it for this week. Um, we're sorry that you had to go through this. Um, hopefully, hopefully, part three does not take as long as part two. We seem to be incapable of releasing episodes. Um, no, we'll get it. We'll get it. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, I think I can do part. I was not in a good place. Work was terrible. And then the first time that we could do it, a new Pokemon game came out. And I'll own that one. I just <laughs> wanted to play Pokemon. I bought the Pokemon Switch. Are you kidding me? Well, the next section, I think we just finished the book. Yes. Because it's page 195 is chapter 19. And the book ends on chapter 306. So yeah, it's 110 pages. <laughs> Not bad. So next time we will be finishing up the book. Then after that, we will be moving on to the second book. Oh, yeah. We're going to milk this. (laughs) I remember I stopped reading after the third book because of something that happens in the third book that at the time I did not like. Nowadays, I don't think I care, but (laughs) I mean, I do. But, like, inside, maybe I don't. (laughs) This is going to be fun. (laughs) Very excited. Follow us on Twitter at LitmastersPod. M is at M of many names, and I am Sarah S. Wilton. Send us an email over at LiteraryMastersPod at gmail.com. Hit us with a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash LitmastersPod. Follow us on Tumblr. Is it Literary Masters Pod? Yes. Or is it? Okay. L- at literarymasterspod.tumblr.com. Is the inbox open? <laughs> the inbox is open. Don't forget <laughs> to nibble your wrists. Oh, shut up. Bye. <laughs>